drag really helped me come out of that really dark place that I was in. And it allowed me to be expressive of myself. It means everything to me, honestly. It's, it's literally my livelihood. Brian Hernandez is a drag performer. I was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. My stage name is Miss Taint. I've been Miss Taint for about nine years performing at local bars, clubs, venues. My style is primarily like glamour and horror. Sometimes I'll go out and I'll put a whole prosthetic, really scary face, but then I'll be wearing like the most gorgeous ball gown that you've ever seen. But in Texas and in 13 other U.S. states, performers like Brian may soon be looking at fines or even jail time. This is because proposed anti-drag legislation would ban or restrict drag shows in the presence of minors. And Brian thinks that would have consequences that go beyond drag. You know, there's no tiptoeing around it. They're trying to criminalize queer lives. There's a whole spectrum of drag. You know, of course you have your 18 and up adult show drag performers. And then you have your your drag performers that read in libraries as the princesses and queens. There's camp, like uh, really funny comedic performances. There's all types of drag. And at the end of the day, drag is um, expression. It's queer expression. It's authenticity. And then also it's just honestly bringing happiness to people. You know, we're, we're, and we're not harming anyone. People look at us like we're these monsters. People look at us like we're these outcasts, like we're these freaks. But there's a beauty behind it because we all have a story. We'll hear more from Brian later in the show about what it's like for them as a drag performer in Texas right now. But first, The Globe's U.S. correspondent, Adrian Morrow, is here to give us the political context about the concerns that led to this legislation and what it is about this moment that has states targeting drag and its performers. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Adrian, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Manika. So 14 states now in the U.S. have proposed anti-drag legislation. Uh, But I want to just establish what we're exactly talking about here when we say anti-drag legislation. Like, what is being targeted? There are a few different things. So some of the of the legislation specifically relates to performances. And so it'll it'll talk about uh, not allowing people to perform uh, dressing in a, a gender other than the, the one that they were assigned at birth. Um, and, and it will put, um, you know, in some cases, limits on those performances. So we'll say things like um, these performances can only happen in um, in adult uh, facilities, um, you know, or facilities that have licenses as, as adult entertainment venues, um, which is the kind of license that a strip club would have, for instance. Um, and then there's sort of specific rules uh, around um, where those sorts of venues can be um, in terms of, you know, they have to be uh, more than a thousand feet away from schools or um, public parks or other places where, where children are likely to be. So it, uh, you know, imposes some some burdens essentially on on these places, um, you know, that that to some people would be so onerous that you, you really couldn't actually have a, a drag show at all. Yeah. The Tennessee legislation uh, essentially specifies that, that you can have no uh, public drag performances um, at all that there can be no drag done in any kind of public place and that drag can't be done in any private location that would be within a thousand feet of a location where children are likely to be. 
Yeah. And and you mentioned Tennessee specifically. Tennessee is actually the, the place where this legislation is actually law now. It's been proposed legislation in other states, but Tennessee, this is actually law. That's right. Tennessee is the, the first place to actually pass an anti-drag law. Um, it passed last month and the, the legislation was, was signed into law by the governor. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has signed into law two bills that passed the state legislature last week. One, restricting drag performances in public, and the other banning gender-affirming health care for transgender youth. It's currently been enjoined by a judge. There's a drag troupe in Memphis that has challenged the law. And so that, that case is set to go to trial next month. And in the interim, the judge has basically frozen the law from coming into force. So it, it hasn't actually taken effect um, pending the outcome of this legal case. Um, but that's that's one state where, where it has passed. And now it's going to be up to the courts, essentially, to decide. Hmm. Uh, what about in other states, for example, in Texas? What's the, the state of things there? Yeah, so so Texas currently has, uh, I think it's about six different um, anti-drag laws in front of its state legislature, and two of those have passed the state Senate and are, are currently moving forward. Um, one of them would essentially ban uh, anyone under the age of 18 from watching any performance in which uh, a performer, uh, quote-unquote, exhibits a gender identity that is different than the performer's gender assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. And a second bill that uh, has passed the Senate in, in Texas would cut funding to public libraries that host uh, drag queen story hours. Um, so essentially, the bill are kind of targeting two different uh, aspects of drag. Yeah. Adrian, what, what's the time frame like here? Like when did these bills start start popping up? Really just within the last uh, year or so. Um, and that's part of what's been a little bit surprising about this story is that, you know, drag has obviously been around for a very long time and it's been moving increasingly into the, the mainstream in, in, in recent decades. Um, but it's only within the last, you know, year or two that, that it's kind of, you know, earned the ire of a certain subset of the U.S. right. And this proposed legislation that we're talking about in various states, do we expect them, first of all, to pass and become law? And, and do we know when? Certainly in, in Texas, it seems likely that it, that it will pass. In Florida, there's, there's anti-drag legislation that's, that's in front of the legislature, and, and Florida has shown a, um, a propensity for kind of picking these, these kinds of culture war fights in recent years. Um, you've got a, a governor there who's already signed um, you know, legislation against um, you know, discussion of LGBTQ issues in, in schools, um, you know, signed legislation against uh, discussion of, of structural racism, systemic racism in, um, in schools and universities. So, so it seems likely that, that it'll move forward on, on, uh, in some capacity in Florida. Mm. There are a handful of kind of states that that have um, have this legislation in front of their legislatures where, you know, you can expect a governor to veto it. And in Arizona, for instance, there's a Democratic governor. So it seems likely that that she would probably block um, anything that comes out of the legislature there. But yeah, in, in other states, um, I think we certainly can expect it to move forward. And the argument from a lot of politicians here, uh, and, and this is, is right in the language of some of these bills, is that th- they're doing this to protect children. Uh, for example, I just want to read you part of uh, the Senate bill from West. West Virginia here, Adrian. Uh, it says, quote, all minors in West Virginia are prohibited from being involved in drag shows for any reason. Additionally, drag shows may not be held in the presence of minors. Um, and then it goes on to say, uh, any adult or parental guardian of a minor who violates this legislation may be required to complete parenting classes, substance abuse counseling, anger management counseling, or other appropriate services or any combination thereof, end quote. So what is a bill like this trying to protect children from? Like, what is the fear here? I think that's that's really the question because if you you know if you look at the language from the people proposing these these kinds of bills they'll they'll talk about it as 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 claiming that they're protecting children from sexually explicit performances but you know it's not not correct necessarily that the drag um you know always has to be sexually explicit you know or that that there's something about drag that inherently is not um family friendly um and so 
what it really looks like is that in a lot of these cases, um, legislators, you know, just don't like the idea of children um, being exposed to to anything that that, that looks like LGBTQ uh, culture. You know, mm-hmm. and there was a, a quote, in fact, from from Chris Dodd, who's the uh, Republican legislator in, in Tennessee who sponsored uh, Tennessee's uh, drag ban, who complained that he felt that drag shows are trying to quote recruit children to this lifestyle. You know, and so it, it seems to indicate that that for a lot of these these legislators, you know, what their concern is is that that they don't like the idea of children, um, you know, seeing LGBTQ culture or, or interacting with um, with openly LGBTQ individuals. And that, um, you know, in the case of, of Mr. Dodd and, and maybe some of these other people, they seem to believe somehow that that by being around LGBTQ people, um, children are more likely themselves to to somehow become LGBTQ. Um, and so I think I think that's probably at least part of what's kind of driving that kind of language. You know, part of it kind of comes from these ugly old uh, stereotypes and, and tropes that um, you know I think I think a lot of people thought were were buried by the 70s and 80s um, of claiming that that LGBTQ people are, are somehow. Um, uh, child molesters or pedophiles or that sort of thing. I mean, this kind of goes back to these very ugly kind of bigoted stereotypes. But it also sounds a lot like QAnon talk, you know, and, and the fact that in the last you know yeah. couple of years has been all this kind of talk in the um, in the culture on you know a subset of the, of the U.S. right about protecting children and, and specifically in QAnon about protecting children from a child trafficking ring cabal of Donald Trump's enemies. I, I don't imagine that the vast majority of the legislators pushing this kind of stuff are adherents of QAnon. I mean, in fact, they probably aren't. I think that the language that they're using tries to pathologize you know, LGBTQ people as somehow being this and kind of plays into those stereotypes. And Adrian, you've been covering the states for quite some time. You're, you're, you're in the states now. And I guess I'm wondering about the, the climate there that's kind of, you know, causing these things to, to bubble up at this point, because it does feel like in the past few years, uh, especially with the popularity of, of shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and things, you know, drag has become more mainstream. So, so what is going on here? Like, why are we all of a sudden seeing this anti-drag legislation being proposed in such a such a wide number of states. I think it, it has to be understood in the context of the, the larger culture war, where um, I think within you know within U.S. politics for a long time there's been this sort of heavy cultural component, and I think during the, the Donald Trump era, that's kind of become the glue that's held the Republican Party together, where the kind of uh, Reaganomic um, you know sort of pro-business free market um, thread that kind of connected Republicans for for several decades, I think a lot of that frayed under Trump because there are a lot of, of Trump supporters who you know may or may not really agree with that sort of Republican orthodoxy, and so one of the things that kind Kind of holds um, a lot of these people together, sort of holds the the Trump base and 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 now the Republican constituency together, are the, these kind of escalating culture wars. Um, you know, for a long time, culture war tended to mean abortion and same sex marriage, but I think that's really broadened in, in the last few years. Um, you know, to include. Everything from uh, people sort of pushing back against uh, discussions of institutional racism and structural racism um, to any kind of discussion of LGBTQ issues and, and particularly trans issues. And I think that in a lot of cases, these legislators are essentially conflating um, you know, trans people and trans rights with drag. And so I think that that sort of helps explain why drag specifically has become the target, because, you know, you've already seen in the last few years um, legislators in, in Texas and other places propose bathroom bills, basically, right. you know, saying that that you can't, um, you know, trans people don't have the right to use the, the bathroom that conforms with their, their gender identity or their gender expression. You know, you've got uh, across the U.S. a lot of uh, attempts to, to ban trans people from, from taking part in, in sports. And so I think that the sort of anti-drag push has grown out of that kind of push against, uh, against trans rights. I know you were recently in Texas uh, interviewing drag performers and experts there, too. Uh, can you just tell me what was the, the atmosphere like there? 
Mostly surprise. I mean, despite Texas being, you know, historically very socially conservative, uh, major cities like San Antonio, which is where I was, um, have always been sort of uh, very diverse, um, you know, uh, relatively accepting places. And 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 that's what people there told me. These drag performers said that, you know, they'd never sort of had a problem in San Antonio doing drag um, until just the last six months. You know, I, I met, um, you know, drag performers who were hired to do, you know, baby showers and corporate events and, and things like that that are, are very, very mainstream. And so to them, it was actually extremely surprising that just within the last year, they suddenly started getting this pushback. Adrian, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. After the break, Brian Hernandez tells us about their experience as a drag performer in Texas. Brian, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Even before this new legislation was introduced in Texas this spring, uh, even before that, though, there was tension in in your city around drag performances. I know you hosted an all ages event back in December of 2022. Can can you briefly can you briefly tell me what that event was? So basically, we we held an all ages event at the Starlighter. It's our home venue. It's located in the historic arts district in San Antonio, and we had been doing all ages drag shows for about a year before we got attacked. Um, it was December 2nd, where we showed Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at 8 o'clock, and then at 9.30, we started the drag show. It, essentially, it was a toy drive. We raised over, like, 55 toys, I believe. Yeah, that was, that was the event itself, right? It was a, that it was was the a main toy purpose drive. of the event, yeah. Yeah, so we had this event, and I was the host of it. So I noticed when I got there to the event around 7.30 or so, I went and usually I'll, I'll give a hug to the to the owner and I'll say, thank you, you know, thank you for having us and so on. She looked at me and she was really scared. And I go, is everything OK? And she was just like, no, no, like, I don't know what's going on, but there's people outside with signs. And they're, they're like, look, the signs said, uh, protect our children. They were saying uh, drag queens are groomers. And then there was one that said pedophiles. And I'm just like, whoa. Like never in my nine years of doing drag have I ever seen anything like that. You know, as far as anybody like personally attacking any one of our shows, I had never seen it before. So I was just like, whoa, Kayla, like, what do we do? And she was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to give in to them or let them scare us. So, you know, should we continue? And she was just like, well, we're doing this for the kids. We're not doing anything wrong. You know, we decided to continue the show. And and then, and then what happened? Okay. And then, so we had some new faces in the crowd, honestly, like, and, and honestly, like I felt weird vibes, like, and so we noticed that these two men and they basically uh, sat down, they were enjoying the show. They were recording all the performers. They even took pictures with the performers afterwards. And the performers actually thought that we had new fans. Well, overnight we wake up, you know, the night passes, we wake up in the early in the morning to a smear campaign on one of their Instagrams that tagged all of us and was saying that, you know, this satanic drag show was grooming children by showing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer trying to lure children in and then showing the inappropriate content. And so the only the only child in the venue was was the little girl. And the little girl was like the, the staff was taking care of her. The queens were watching over her. She was in a safe space. What was the drag show, Brian? The drag show was basically like performers doing dressing up as Christmas trees, dressing up as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, dressing up as Frosty the Snowman. The one performance, and it was to Lady Gaga's Christmas tree. Hello, let's go. 
And she came out as a full Christmas tree. And then she did a reveal, as most drag performers do, into another costume underneath. Yes, it could be misconstrued because, you know, she did a reveal into a, a bra and an undergarment. But the bra was a Christmas tree. The undergarment was a Christmas tree. And this isn't stuff that you'd see anything different than at a movie, at the beach, even like with the way people dress out in public. Like it's nothing new. So it's just because a drag queen did it. Mm -hmm. So they were, um, they ended up doing this smear campaign video and it went from like 20,000 views to like more right wing news sources that had like 2 million followers. It never died down because then we started getting death threats. They were, they were um, posting GIFs and, and pictures of guns saying we need to, we need to get rid of them already. They are not wanted in our country. The, the Starlighter venue was getting uh, threats of being burned down. Wow. And you had to cancel shows after that. Yeah. We had to cancel like three or four shows after that, that were already planned. And for most of us, this is our livelihood. This is our main source of income. It affected a lot of, uh, a lot of us that have day jobs as well. Um, some of us in my group were really p- terrified that it was going to leak back to their their management and that they were going to get fired. You know, it it affected a lot, and it and then it even affected us being scared about doing eighteen and up shows after that because we thought these people were going to follow us. Uh, so let me let me ask you about I guess the current situation now, Brian. So in in, in Texas, there's two bills targeting drag performances in the presence of children. Yes. Uh, they passed the Senate earlier this month. They're being sent to the House. What happens if these bills become law? Like, what kind of consequences could you face for for doing drag? Um, a criminal offense. Like, you can get fined and you can get a Class A misdemeanor for uh, doing a sexually charged performance, which is what they're trying to classify all drag as, as sexual performances. And when you say Class A misdemeanor, that could lead up to a year in jail and a, yeah. and a $4,000 fine. Yeah. So, you know, and then that also just affects like how we're able to even find work after that, you know, that goes on our background all for what for dressing up and, and going and, 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 and being liberated. And I really feel like what, what, what this agenda is, is trying to get America back into this binary system where you have to wear a uniform if you were born a man you have to present as a man your entire life. If you were born as a woman, you have to present as a woman your entire life. You know, I myself, I'm non-binary. So I go and live my life however I want to present that day. You know, sometimes I go out to eat with my friends where I'm dressed as a woman and where I feel as a woman. And then sometimes I live my life where I look like this. Brian, why do you think these bills and these protests are happening now? Like, why this particular moment? Because it's a distraction. They're just they're distracting from the actual issues of what what's really harming children. You know, how many school shootings do we have like every month? You know, we, we're talking about anti-drag legislation, but, we're, you know, we're saying this is actually it's a much broader way to, to target trans people. Why, why do you think politicians are, are targeting trans and queer people in this way? Because they don't want us to live. You know, even if in, even in Florida, this this news thing just came out where in Florida, there, there was a lawmaker that literally said they wanted to eradicate the LGBT community. 
Well, if it means erasing a community because you have to target children, when well, damn right we ought to do it. You know, they don't they don't want to see us anymore. That's point blank period. They don't want us to live like they're trying to go back into the society where there is no more gay people. There is no more LGBT community. And that's why that's why I'm saying like it, it's they're trying to take away our pride. They're trying to put us back in the closet where, where we've we've spent decades, you know, fighting to get out of fighting to be seen, fighting to be treated equal. And, uh, you know, they're placing all these laws generalizing drag, but in reality, it affects more than just drag performers. They're, they're, they're trying to target the entire community as a whole. Brian, thank you so much for taking all the time to, to speak with us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for actually caring and, and, and trying to listen to queer struggles around the world right now. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>